Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to episode 18 of Ohio 88, where I, your host, Heather Wright, will discuss one of the most notorious individuals from Williams County, Ohio. For this episode, we will be discussing fortune teller Andrew F. Tyler. According to the Ohio History Central website, Williams County, Ohio was established on February 12, 1820, after the Ohio government authorized its creation. Residents named the county in honor of David Williams, a hero of the American Revolution. Williams helped capture Major Jean André, a British officer who attempted to help the infamous American traitor Benedict Arnold surrender West Point to the British and was later hanged by the Continental Army during the American Revolution after it was discovered that he was a spy. Williams County was originally part of territory that was set aside for Ohio's Indian people by the Treaty of Greenville. The land comprising this county also came under dispute between Ohio and Michigan during the Toledo War. Williams County is located in the northwestern part of Ohio. Its western border helps form the boundary between Ohio and Indiana, and its northern border helps form the boundary between Ohio and Michigan. The county seat is Bryan, which is the largest community in the county, with a population of 8,333 people in 2000. Just over 1% of the county's 422 square miles are deemed to be urban. Between 1990 and 2000, the county experienced a 6% increase in population, this is unusual for Ohio's more rural counties, as residents usually seek better opportunities in the state's larger cities. In 2000, the county's residents numbered 39,188 people. The population in 2019 was 36,816. The population in 2020 was 37,102. And in 2021, the population was 36,598. Most of Williams County's residents find employment in agricultural positions, with 75% of the county's acreage under cultivation. Manufacturing, retail, and service positions finish second, third, and fourth, respectively. To give you a better idea of its geographic location, Fulton County is to the east, Henry County is to the southeast, and Defiance County is to the south.
To learn more about Williams County, head on over to our Patreon page. Remember, you can listen to the entire episode on the Ohio 88 Patreon page for just a dollar a month. In this exclusive episode, I will discuss all things Williams County with Kelsey. You will hear about the most beautiful places, the most interesting and famous people, fun things to do, cool places to visit, and my personal favorite, all things spooky and haunted from Williams County. In addition to the full county episode, you will find bonus content and exclusive episodes that are released to Patreon supporters only. Not to mention, you will receive goodies and merch in the mail. So if that's something that interests you, then head on over to www.patreon.com ohio88 and sign up today. In episode 18 of Ohio 88, we are going to discuss someone a bit less traditional for the show. And by that I mean, we've not discussed someone with such an interesting career choice yet. Andrew F. Tyler was a fortune teller. But what does that matter, and why does that make him one of Ohio's most notorious individuals? Well, we'll get into that right after this. The reason that we're talking about Andrew F. Tyler today is because he was, indeed, one of Ohio's most notorious individuals. But not because of his trade. Being a fortune teller is interesting enough, sure, but that doesn't really make someone notorious. Now, what made Andrew F. Tyler so notorious is the fact that he committed the county's first murder and was executed in the county's only recorded hanging in 1849, according to the Bryan Times. And what he did and how he went about this murder is pretty appalling, to say the least. And he used his clairvoyant powers to try to trick others after he committed the murder. But I'm getting ahead of myself now, so let me back up and tell you a bit more about Andrew F. Tyler, and then the murder, and then the aftermath. Maybe then you'll see just how twisted this man was. Let's go back to August 22nd, 1848, almost 174 years ago at the time of this recording. The Daily Ohio Statesman paper reported that Andrew F. Tyler was convicted and sentenced to die as accessory to one of the most wanton and singular murders of which the records of depravity and crime reflect. In Williams County, the Supreme Court was setting an example with him. But with him being the accessory to such a crime, who else was involved? And what were their sentences? According to the 1849 Daily Ohio Statesman article, the events were as follows. Daniel Heckerthorne was a mentally challenged local teenager living in Bryan, Ohio, who eventually met Andrew Tyler whilst Andrew was traveling through Bryan and this was in June of 1847. Being that Heckerthorne was a teenager and mentally challenged, he was easily manipulated and quite vulnerable. Andrew Tyler was able to convince Daniel Heckerthorne to kill David Champ, the five-year-old son of Peter and Anne Elizabeth Champ of Jefferson Township, and then hide the child's body. Daniel was eager to learn about the art of fortune-telling, 
he was willing to heed Tyler's advice and take any training that he offered. Even if that meant committing the worst crime and trying to cover it up. As a sort of initiation, if you will, Andrew Tyler persuaded Daniel Heckerthorne to kill Shamp's child and then hide the body. But that wasn't all. He also convinced the teenager to leave the country with him and then return after some months to get a reward for finding the deceased body of the child. The plan was flawless. It would allow the pair to establish a reputation as fortune tellers by which they would make a great deal of money. Think about it. They can create this horrific experience and generate a ton of buzz surrounding the disappearance of a five-year-old child. Then the pair would be able to charge the family to use their clairvoyant powers to locate the child's remains and bring some type of closure to the family. Andrew and Daniel both get exactly what they want. Daniel learned from an esteemed and traveling fortune teller and Andrew could gain all of this publicity and notoriety from finding a young child who went missing and then discovered the body. This would surely bring in the attention and the money that he needed to become a successful traveling fortune teller. What could go wrong? Well, I guess Andrew didn't take into account that his apprentice had no reason to lie. During the trial, as well as Heckerthorne's confession, Andrew was the mastermind. He came up with the plan. He told Heckerthorne that this was his initiation. According to the August 22, 1848 release of the Daily Ohio Statesman, this was the crime of the century. In fact, the article described that there was never a more inadequate cause for a crime so great as this one. Further, the article described that Tyler's habits of deception and falsehood over the years as a practicing fortune teller are to blame for his actions and reasons for instigating such a horrendous crime. After years of this behavior, it's almost as if his mind was altered and he lost his sense of what was right and what was wrong. In the fall of 1848, Tyler and Heckerthorne were tried for their crime. They were found guilty of murder and sentenced to hang for it. On January 26, 1849, Tyler was publicly hanged east of the Log Williams County Jail on the north side of the courthouse square. Although Heckerthorne was sentenced to hanging as well, his sentence was reduced to life in prison. Perhaps because of the circumstances, his age, the fact that he was mentally challenged, and the fact that he confessed. As mentioned previously, Tyler was hanged east of the jail in 1849. Initially, the sheriff had built a high wood fence around the jail yard in order to have the execution as private as possible. But the populace were so eager to witness the spectacle that they tore down the fence the night before. There were no buildings between the jail and Main Street, so he was easily seen by anyone and everyone around. The Cleveland Plain Dealer released an article on February 6, 1849, regarding the hanging of Andrew Tyler. They referred to his hanging as legalized murder, quote, the particulars of which contain enough of the horrible to gratify the most savage, end quote. The Spirit of the Age, a local paper, 
was published at Bryan and reads as follows. About 1 o'clock p.m., the prisoner was conducted onto the scaffold accompanied by Reverend R.R. Walters, who, after the prisoner had taken his seat, delivered some very appropriate remarks from Acts chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, a text selected by the prisoner. A hymn was sung and a prayer offered by Reverend Mr. Walters. The prisoner then made a brief address to the assembly. He asserted his innocence in the strongest terms, declaring that he had nothing to do with the perpetration of the crime for which he was to be executed. He said he had no anxiety to live, but felt prepared and desired to depart and dwell with his Savior. At the close of his remarks, he knelt down and spent a few moments in audible prayer. He prayed for support in the terrible scene upon which he was immediately to enter. For the forgiveness of all who had sought his hurt, and that he and they might meet in a happier world. At a quarter past two, the sheriff adjusted the rope, which was already around the prisoner's neck, drew the cap over his face, and bade him adieu. He then descended the stairs, and as he went down, touched the spring with his foot, and the drop fell. Here followed a scene which was for a moment shocking to all beholders, almost beyond description. To set the matter in its true light, it should be mentioned that Tyler had at times insisted that he should be executed without any slack of rope. Willing to gratify him so far as duty would permit, and in accordance with this oft-repeated and urgent request, the sheriff gave him, at first, only about one foot of slack. The instant the drop was sprung, the prisoner slightly crouched his body. By this means, the noose slipped around, bringing the knot immediately under the chin in such a position that, with his short fall, it did not tighten at all. Consequently, he was merely suspended by the neck. Probably his first slight fall suspended sensation and respiration temporarily, for he hung quietly for a time. But this suspension was only temporary, and it is certain that nothing like strangulation was produced. He soon recovered his breath and commenced groaning and struggling as if suffering excruciating torture. The spectacle at this moment was too revolting to witness. We noticed many who had thought and said that they could look on his expiring agonies with a hearty goodwill, who turned away from the sight with blanched cheeks and looks of commiseration. The sheriff, probably somewhat overcome by the fearful duty he had attempted to discharge, did not immediately, after springing the drop, go around to see the true condition of affairs. On learning the situation of the prisoner, he promptly ordered the scaffold raised, and no sooner was this done than he was upon it, and taking Tyler by the hand directed him to stand on his feet, which he was able to do without assistance. Aided by General Gilson, the sheriff then proceeded to lengthen the rope, giving it about four feet additional slack, Tyler still fervently begging them to shorten it instead of lengthening it, but he was told that his wishes could no longer be regarded. During this time, ex-Sheriff Cunningham passed up the stairs and, taking Tyler's hand, inquired if he still asserted his innocence. He replied, I am innocent. Having adjusted the noose and all others having left the scaffold, the sheriff took his hand and again bade him farewell. His last words to the sheriff were, For God's sake, shorten the rope. Again, the drop was sprung, and Andrew F. Tyler was launched into eternity. 
He scarcely struggled after the second fall. After about 30 minutes, his body was taken down, placed in the coffin, and carried back to an upper room of the jail. Executed. That was the case of fortune teller Andrew F. Tyler of Williams County, Ohio. Check out the Patreon page for more on the county as well as bonus content. Special thanks to Kelsey for joining me on the Williams County Patreon episode. Our music was created by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. If you would like to help support the show, there are a number of ways to do so. You can sign up for Patreon at just a dollar a month where you will receive extra and ad-free content as well as merch. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts to ensure that more people can find the show. Lastly, word of mouth is probably the best way. Share the podcast with your family and friends. You can also support the show by checking out our merch store. We have everything from t-shirts to hoodies, notebooks, phone and laptop cases, magnets, mugs, pillows, totes, and more. You can find the link in the show notes as well as on our website, ohio88podcast.com. And until next time, don't cross that county line.